Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Cookie Cast. Today on Cookie Cast, it's the football podcast, and the season's drawing to a close. Well, for some, you know, if you don't talk about the playoffs, that's right, playoff football coming down the line. Before that, there are games to go through, though, so uh, sit tight, strap yourselves in. Get ready for some football games. Last week's to go through and this week's to predict. Before we start, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Drop reviews where you can drop reviews and share the podcast around. It's the best way to get that word out there. Right, let's get started. Here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen. Your favourite person has uh, spoken her immortal words once again and brought you in to the weekly Cookie Cast football podcast with myself, our esteemed colleague from Hull, Mr. Stuart Woodmansey. How are you, sir? Um, not very bad, to be honest. Thank you very much. Excellent. We'd like to hear it. Our esteemed correspondent. Covering Nottingham Forest, but not based in the uh, Nottinghamshire area, is Mr. Matthew Moore. How are you, sir? Good. Excellent stuff. And for this week, last week, and possibly even next week, Bermondsey sort of native, Andrew Cook, ladies and gentlemen. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you. There he is. He's, uh, he's he's basking in the glory of being able to hear the bull bells and uh, you know his chimney sweeping away like a, like the little scamp that he is obviously because he's decided to play a cockney for the remainder of the weeks of the season and as it is we'll start with the game that Mr Cook selected as part of the new feature we'll be bringing in starting next season, but we're giving it a trial run for the last couple of weeks of this season. So, Andy had selected Millwall and their game away at Blackpool. Now, have you seen said game, Mr Cook, or have you seen at least the goals from said game? I, I have not. I have let my newly acquired side down by not partaking in seeing or checking the score well did either of our two esteemed colleagues see the game or see the goals uh yeah a little bit a little bit after say and, and i know this is coming not to uh foreshadow too much after me saying that you know Andy built the game up so clearly there was going to be nothing in it um there was quite a lot of goals. Just, just, uh, just the, just the five. To, to pull back, to pull back the curtain somewhat. Obviously, jumping slightly ahead in the predictions, Mister Woodmansey, of course, had gone for a nil-nil prediction. So after two minutes of the game kicking off, he sent a wonderful text to our group text, uh, our group chat, saying, "So that nil-nil can get in there, in then." 
as uh, Millwall took the lead on two minutes with a goal from Tom Bradshaw. Um, Blackpool actually equalised uh, on 36 minutes with a penalty from Jerry Yates. Who would have, um, would have thought that Millwall would be a team that would do some dirty tackling in the box? It's, it was a definite, it, definite pen as well. It's a wonder that we all just just have to sort of get through at some point in life. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Millwall retook the lead on the 59th minute with a second goal of the game from Tom Bradshaw. But Blackpool equalised again on the 67th minute with a goal from Lewis Fiorini. i say what as well. Them, them two goals, the, the, the second Bradshaw goal was a lovely little dink over the keeper after a cracking pass like through ball. Split the defence and... I mean, let's be fair, not a professional footballer, but I'd have been tempted to just absolutely batter it at that point. And he had the, the foresight to just just dink it over the keeper. And it sort of it was one of them annoying ones for the defenders where if they were like half a foot taller, they'd have been able to scoop it off the line. But it just trickled just out of reach and went went through. So it was a lovely little finish. But the kid, uh, was it, what did you say his name was for, for Blackpool? Fiorini. Fiorini. That was a hell of a strike. It sort of it was it was a long way out. It was definitely outside the eighteen yard box, and it was hit with such power that it stayed off the ground, but only about an inch the whole way that it went, and it, it just pinged it into the bottom left hand corner. Keeper had no chance, but I don't think anybody would have expected him to shoot from there. But it was a was a good finish that. Very nice. Um, sadly, for Blackpool's perspective, Zian Fleming popped up with a winner for Millwall, uh, Millwall in the 75th minute and it was another penalty um, this one was it was it a, I mean did you see it was it was it a penalty it was a penalty and Blackpool were fighting for their lives in this game weren't they because they were they were needing their results to stay up um, and for all the good that he'd done the, the Fiorini who, who pinged in that absolute worldly minutes before actually gave away the penalty so he He'd given him a lifeline by drawing him level, and then absolutely stacked it by uh, chopping uh, chopping the Millwall guy down in the in the box. It, it definitely was a penalty. It was a late tackle, uh, but <laughs> Millwall were somewhat out of form before this game, needing to find yeah. a little bit coming into the playoffs. And they certainly were. By as we covered by in, Crook. As, as we covered in the last uh, the last. Uh, the last week's podcast, uh, Millwall went into this one with one win in five. Ironically enough, Blackpool were actually the form side of the two with two wins in their previous five games. But like Stu said, Blackpool needed the win in this one to uh, stave off the spectre of relegation for at least another week to take it to the final game of the season. And uh, as there were no more goals, sadly, that was not the case. Blackpool becoming the first team <clears throat> to be relegated from the championship this season. Um, from a predictions perspective, obviously we'd said before, Mr. Woodmanty had gone for a nil-nil draw, so he doesn't get any points on that one. Um, uh, well, well, I got, do I not get a bonus point for being the only one of the four of us who watched the game? Well, I would have. Wa- I would have probably watched it, if <laughs> I had but I was out all weekend, so I uh, sadly was unable to uh, fulfil my uh, fulfil my duty. I'm just hearing excuses here. Just excuses. It is, it is a boatload of excuses. I'm just hearing bragging. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Stu, sadly, no points on that one for the 0 0. 
Matt had gone for a 1-0 home win, so doesn't get the result right, but he did have Yates to score. So gets himself a point for a scorer. I had gone for a 1-1 draw, so sadly no points for the result. But I did have Yates to score for Blackpool and Bradshaw to score for Millwall. So I managed to bag two points from a sc- scorer's perspective. Excuse me. Mr Cook, obviously it was his team. Therefore he had gone for his team to win 2-0. So he gets himself a point for the fact that his, uh, his team won. He also gets a bonus point because he had picked Bradshaw and Watmore to score. So bags himself a bonus point for that particular goal scorer. So after the first game, uh, Stu yet to score. Matt with the one point, myself and Andy, two points each. Our second game of the week took us back up into the Premier League, where obviously Middlesbrough are striving to get to. And it takes us to Brentford versus Nottingham Forest. How did this one play out in the end, Mr Moore? Um, <clears throat> well, after a bit of a, I think it was a tense first half. Um, yeah, kind of pretty tense. Like Forest, Forest played well, but not kind of you know. This seems to be their way. The other team has the most of the possession. They defend, defend, defend. Hit on the counter attack, um, and again pulled off. Uh, so in first half stoppage time, take the lead, take the lead from through Danilo. Um, so it's like sixteen million pound signing. Um, in January, uh, it's kind of really found his feet in the past couple, past few games, I think. Um, and from that point, kind of hung on, hung on. But then, kind of listen, watching watching a bit of the highlights, listening to the report, hang on seems to be kind of a bit of a bit of a kind of Forest doing a, doing a bit of Forest a bit of disservice. Didn't play quite well um, until the 80th minute. Where Ivan Tony popped up to score the equaliser. Bit of poor defending, bit of poor defending to give away the free kick. Bit of poor defending with the free kick. The end of the wall jumping instead of standing still, and then a bit of poor goalkeeping as well. Don't want to, don't want to feel it. I feel like a broken record. I think this is the third week on the bounce where I made made some kind of reference to Navas making goalkeeping errors. Now. Fair enough. If you're having like 50 goal, fifty shots peppered at you during the match, that's fine. But when you kind of give it the big licks, when you come to a club, you kind of got to kind of live up to that kind of thing. Unfortunately, after Tony scored, Danilo had to go off injured. Um, it, it seemed to be pretty instant that they were going to take him off, leaving Forrest to cling on to... The draw, which would have taken them out of the out of the relegation zone, um, annoyingly, the three points would have taken them out of the relegation zone and quite a bit way up the table. Um, a draw would have taken them out of the relegation zone and kept them out of the relegation zone with results that have happened since. Unfortunately, four minutes into injury time, down to ten men defending like God knows what, um, the silver popped up and snatched away. Any points, uh, which I think someone said, I think I read somewhere, Forrest have lost 23 points from winning um, positions this season, which is kind of explains where we are. It's all right, because Big Sam has sent us a warning today. Anyway, because he's as good as Pep, and 
Jurgen Klopp. And you know, anybody else want to name? Uh, so yeah, unfortunately, a two-one defeat. So what looked like a priceless win, and then a disappointing but priceless point has then turned into nothing but a good old. Oh, you played really well, and I think Boris is great from was he Frank, who's the, the the Brentford kind of thing, and apparently the chairman of Forest was furious. Um, yeah, join everybody else in that one, mate, because. Yeah, we're all furious about that one. Um, I think we talked about it because obviously I was confused as you. You can make five substitutions, but as uh, Mr. Williams explained to me, you can only make them three. You can only do three substitutions. So you can yeah, yeah. So, five players on, but you can only do it in lumps of three. Yeah. So the That's way that it, the way that the one gets that I found was that basically you get what's known as three substitution windows. So, obviously, you can make up to five changes, but um, obviously if you just make three individual one-on-one-off substitutes at three different times during the game, that takes up your three allotted substitution windows. The only time that you'd be able to bring another player on is if the guy coming off has suffered a concussion at that point. So that's where the sort of the concussion substitute comes in as like the bo- as like the extra substitution. This might be a redundant question because I'm not sure that you would necessarily know the answer. But why is that? I think they just I think they they tried to um, they tried to implement it as a, so obviously they brought the extra substitutions thing in as a trial period during when they restarted it after COVID. Because I think the idea was that players were not going to be as fit because they had this big break. Um, so they were doing it to sort of lessen the impact on players. Um, and I think the reason why they limited it to three substitution windows was that the, like, there wasn't the opportunity for like managers to time waste at the end of games. So like if, you're, if, if you've not used... Your, so in, in times gone by, if you hadn't used your three subs... You'd normally use them within like the sort of the last five, the sort of eight minutes of the game to try and break up any sort of possession and play that a team that might be chasing the game has. And so that's I think the idea was that was going to stop that from happening. Basically, in a way, you kind of think you know he was injured, so realistically there could be some kind of adjustment for him being injured. But then, how do you prove that players are actually injured? Yeah, but for me, if if you're gonna if you're gonna do that. Then they should go right because isn't isn't it they add thirty seconds on for every sub in theory? Just like right, if you if you're bringing on subs in added time, that's two minutes onto your onto the end of the game. I think they should just you know let them use all five subs, but go right if you're going to be a dickhead and bring on two two players in separate incidents after the ninety minutes is up and we're into added time. Fuck you, mate. It's going to be two minutes for the first one, then three minutes for the next one. Then you've got an extra five minutes to defend, and you've got nothing you can do about it. Like in that, that would be my kind of situation. Theory would be, you know, yeah, fair enough. Maybe Forrest would have been like, ah, well, we'll take the risk of not. To. Then you've got to be that right. Well, right, we won't risk an extra two minutes because that gives them they can build that momentum again. Um, but yeah, I mean, fine. What it, you know, it just seemed bizarre. I was like, I don't know, we've only done three substitutes, and then 
you couldn't, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, apparently he was furious and other Forest fans were furious that he'd wasted the substitution things. But I think one or two of them might have been injury-based anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, not the best, obviously, from a league perspective, Leeds, Leeds Forest. Um, after the after the result in the um, Everton Leicester game on Monday, does leave Forest now back in the bottom three? Sadly, from a predictions perspective, Mr. Cook in his usual guise had gone for an optimistic one 0 away win with Johnson to score the goal. So sadly, no points for Mr. Cook there. All three of us in the other regard were so close to points as we'd all gone for a one-one draw. So close. Um, uh, I picked Gibbs White to score for Forrest. Stu and Matt had both picked Johnson. Uh, Stuart picked Mbuemo or Burmo. No one really knows at this particular point. I don't even know if he's come out himself and actually given the uh, pronunciation of his name. But we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tune in next week and we'll find out. Uh, myself and Matt had both picked Tony to score for Brentford, so we do get ourselves a little bonus point there. So, point for myself, point for Matt. After two games, Stu, still yet to score. Uh, Matt and Andy on two points, and I have taken a slight lead with three points. Our next game takes us over to Mr. Woodbunty's boys, where it was Hull City's final home game of the season, where they took on Swansea City. Now, how did this one pan out in the end, sir? Well, again, another bumper home crowd. Uh, the owners doing their magic with the ticket prices again. Um, so a good good portion of, of uh, the stands were filled, including the West Upper Open again, which is nice to see. And the, uh, the big crowd were rewarded after only three minutes of the game, where the pass from uh, Seri out to Harry Vaughan on the left starts driving into the box, Sees two fan coming near post, puts a peach of a ball into him, and uh, rather than two fan getting to bash it into the net, uh, Cabango, one of the defenders from Swansea, thought, "Do you know what? I'll have a go for him," and uh, chested it into his own net. Uh, so it was an own goal. <laughs> He's like, "No, I've listened to the podcast. I know Matt picked him. He's not having any points this week." Um, so, so Cabango picked it, uh, picked it out his own net. Um, and it was looking fairly comfortable for for the most part um, and, until Swansea decided that actually it's nearly half time maybe we should start putting some moves together so uh, from what I've seen of Swansea this season they have actually been a reasonable pass inside and when they get going they seem to have it down and unfortunately City were uh, subjected to that on 39 minutes um, it was a lovely curled finish after a sweeping team move from, from pretty much the halfway line across the pack two or three times and then uh, put into the net by Kundal now Kundal has scored twice this season for Swansea does anybody want to guess who his other goal was against alright oh, that's right it was also Hull dickhead um, so, I, I, would, so, I would definitely have just guessed, like, you know, Rotherham or something, just to piss you off there. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, but no, you, because clearly him scoring against us to uh, take away those, 
those points on the final home game of the season wasn't enough to annoy me, Paul. You you felt like you had to potentially rub yet more salt into that wound. Uh, however, it kind of is Hull that maybe had the last laugh in this game because we had absolutely Jeff all to play for. Um, but Swansea being held to a draw means that they cannot reach the playoffs. So another team eliminated, and at least you don't have to go to Wales to see your team lose now, Paul. So you're all good? Yeah! So, as Mr. Charles, Mr. Wimsey alluded to there, yes, Swansea eliminated from post-season contention. Uh, Predictions-wise, uh, Stuart gone for the optimistic 2-0 away win. So, gets punished for not backing his boys. Uh, he had picked Piro and Kundal to score. So, does get his first point of the week by picking that goal scorer. Um, the rest of us had all picked draws. I had gone for 2-2 on this one. Annoyingly, I had picked two fan to score, so thought I was on for a first bonus point, but sadly uh, he couldn't get there fast enough, so instead Mr. If, Cabango. If you, were to if you were to believe the uh, Hull City Facebook team, who refuse all season to acknowledge an own goal, um, they just picked the player that was nearest to the ball when it happened to go in the net. So they they, they did put that it was too fun, uh, but every other outlet in the history of football that covers scores had it as a Cabango on goal, and having then seen the uh, highlights, it definitely was an own goal. Yes, sadly so. Um, I had also picked Piro and Patterson to score for Swansea, so no points for me. They're just a point for the... Uh, the score, not no, the, the result, not the score, sorry. Um, both Matt and Andy had picked 1-1 one, one draws, so get themselves two points for the, uh, for the correct score there. Um, Matt had picked Traore to score for Hull, and Piro to score for Swansea. Uh, Andy had gone for Longman to score for Hull, Cullen to score for Swansea, so sadly, no bonus points there. One final game of the week, just to wrap us up. And it was Middlesbrough's final away game of the season. In the regular season, obviously, we'll have one away game to play in the playoffs and another home game to play in the playoffs. But it took them over to South Yorkshire, where they took on Rotherham United at the New York Stadium. Um, some of the players that had rested against Luton earlier in the, uh, the week before came back into the team, so Tuba was back in. Sadly, in this one, no Ryan Giles due to injury, so no... No high-quality assists coming from down the uh, the left-hand side. Um, also, in the warm-up, Johnny Houghton was injured. So, last-minute uh, last replacement, about five or ten minutes before kick-off, where Mr. Um, Mr. Houghton was having, had to be replaced by Paddy McNair. Um, I think it kind of affected the team, as they, they did look a little bit off the pace. Um, somewhat uh, had a nice uh, early early chance in the sort of the midway through the first half. Uh, when Riley McGree, another player coming back into the team after a short injury layoff, um, broke down the left-hand side, cut in towards the goal and tried to lift the ball over the keeper. Um, their centre-half managed to get back on the line and just nip it away. Um, and then that was kind of it for the first half until right deep into uh, stoppage time when um, Rotherham broke through. Um, Middlesbrough old boy Jordan Hugel um, 
was uh, on the uh, loose on the edge of the box and tried to break through and uh, was brought down by Anthony Dykesteel. Uh, and the uh, ref, despite there being two or three players around on the cover, deemed him to be the last man and uh, gave him a straight red card. Um, having seen it, probably a bit harsh, but you can see why the ref's given it. He does, he just kind of bundle him to the floor, not 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 very uh, slyly, shall we say? Definitely got a pull on his on his arm, and then he sort of like pretty much rugby tackles him to the floor. The straight red card. Three-game ban, that him out for the playoffs then. Only a one-game ban for some bizarre reason. Was it before half time? Yes. So I think the cap though. So if it's before the first half, at the end, I think it's if it's before half time, then obviously they count they count the half as a like a a, sub, a, a larger punishment. So you could get hard. sent off. Yeah get sent off at 45 minutes and like the referee you get sent off the ref turns around blows his whistle says, mate, kind of thing and you could literally get sent off 10 seconds after the half time whistle and you'd be banned for three games huh. because it's seen as not as much of a bad as being I'm pretty sure that's the rule interesting uh, but yes, he is only banned for one game, so in theory he'll only miss the last game of the season and he'll be back a bit available against the players, which is good, as we're uh, struggling with injuries at the moment. Um, so into the first half, into the second half, obviously we're down to ten men, uh, and they uh, succumbed to a goal from a Dauphin, who uh, was um, loose on the edge of the box and just angled the shot into the uh, the back of the net. Uh, and the game kind of petered out from there, nothing really much, uh, much else happened. Um, no massive chances from what I can remember. Um, there was a there was a, an effort that came across the goal and a Rotherham defender tried to get onto it but was kind of sliced it and the ref, had, uh, the, ref the keeper had to tip it round the post. <laughs> uh, that was about as close as Middlesbrough got to an equaliser. So this one panned out to a 1-0 Rotherham United win. Um, that result meant that Middlesbrough could no longer go any higher in the table so they are locked into a fourth place finish regardless of what happens on the last day of the season against Coventry. From a predictions perspective, myself, Stu and Andy had all gone for Middlesbrough wins, so don't get any points there. Um, I'd gone 3-0, so no need to give you any of the Middlesbrough scorers. Uh, Stu had gone 1-2, with Ogbeni to score for Rotherham, Crooks and Barlaser to score for Middlesbrough, so no points there for him. Andy had gone 0-2, with Archer and Akpom to score, so again, no points there. Matt, on the other hand, had gone 2-1 to Rotherham, so gets himself a point for the correct result. Um, had gone Hugel and Ogbeni to score, with Muniz to score for the Borough. Uh, so just bags himself a bonus point there. So, after the week, the four games, Stu, one point in total from the four games. Myself and Mr Cook, four points, but Mr Matt Moore, with that one that, that that one point he gets for the Rotherham United win there sneaks in at the last and takes the win for the week with five points. Well done to you, sir. So brings us on to this week where we've only got four games to go through, and then that number will drop off uh, starting from next week because obviously Hull will play their last game of the season. Um, but before we get into that. We are just going to take a small break where we're going to, uh, you know, replenish our glasses, recharge our batteries, and then come straight back at you with week 38 predictions. Don't touch that dial. 
We'll be right back here. Recording in progress. Welcome back, ladies and germs. Um, as we said, just got some uh, four more games to cover. One thing I did uh, forget to bring up at the end of the uh, Rotherham game with the Borough um, was that the, the red card that was given to Anthony Nightsdale, 50-50 shot as to whether it could have been given. Um, one, one decision that wasn't given was an absolutely horrendous challenge by a Middlesbrough player on Chidozi Ogbeni in the first half, which actually meant that he had to go off injured. Uh, and I don't even know if the ref... Oh, did he ref the ref must have given um, Hayden Hackney a yellow card, but it was an absolutely horrendous challenge. Nowhere near the ball, very, very late, very cynical, was very lucky to not get a red card. Um, so, for all the Borough fans that were sort of complaining that, you know, the, the card for Dykes still wasn't fair, then they I think they'll take it because they definitely got away with one of the hate tackles. Um, so, week 38, four games. The first of which involves Hull City. They travel to Luton Town. And there's not really anything on this game. As obviously Luton can't get any higher. They will be guaranteed to finish third. Um, Hull, I suppose, can maybe finish as high as. I think it's only one place above where they are now. I remember rightly. So Hull currently in fourteenth place. Yeah, they'd, um, they'd need goal difference that's eleven yeah. worse than the team in thirteenth. So, but it, but that team is Watford, and anything can happen when they play football. <laughs> apparently, so. Well, this is true. Uh, so it's unlikely that Hull will move up. Um, they'll only potentially move down depending on if if other results go that way. But they can only finish as low as worst. Yeah. So it's not really the end of the world. Um progress from last year still. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you'd, you'd look at that as the positive a higher finish than last season's finish is probably what they're playing for at this particular point. Rega regardless um, just as just as a side to the game that's coming up, regardless of like yeah, it is great that they've they've finished higher and all the rest of it. The main thing about this season, I think, was that it was the first full season for the for the new uh, um, ownership regime, and they came in with a lot of promise. And obviously, the, some of the transfers haven't worked out. You can't say that they haven't backed the club, and they've they've done their best to get people in. We've had crowds of over twenty thousand again. Like it's things still feel like they're going the right way. And I think that's probably the most important thing we'll take from this season, regardless of whether it's 14th or 15th. Absolutely. A derby game against Leeds next year would be nice. I'd take that. But, uh. Oh, I'm sure you're not the only one, sir. <laughs> We've got Crowbow and Genius at the helm now, so there's no chance to get in. <laughs> that is true. Although I did look at his stats, and his last four games that he managed in the Premier Division, he uh, lost all four. So, I, I hope they've just got cameras watching him for if he's taking bribes from Steve Cooper, though, because uh, you know he's, he's, he's prone to the old bribe. Yeah, but that's only after he's having a pint of wine. So. Gravy, gravy. I think it's not wine; it's gravy. Apologies. So, Luton Town versus Hull City. Obviously, it's Mister Woodbury's team, so he will go last. I'll just jump in straight away here. I've gone for a one-one draw on this one. I think Luton will rest players, and they don't really need to. They don't really need to. Play him 
or they might give some of their heavy hitters 45 minutes or so. So I've gone for Nakamba to score, which will be marvellous. No? I mean, that, that his name is Marvellous Nakamba. So. Oh, that is, that is correct. That is the sound of uh, millions turning off the podcast. Uh, and Slater to score the whole city. That is my prediction. Uh, Mr Moore, what have you got for this one? I've gone for a 2-1 Luton win. Okay. Goal scorers? On momentum. Adebayo and Morris for Luton. And Tufan for Hull. Mr Cook? 1-0 Hull win. 0-1. Goal scorer? Longman. Obviously. Yeah, I'm still struggling to find a a, a Hull goal scorer. I can, I can so rest, wait, rest so on. wait. Dare I suggest this may be a game where some Ute gets a blooded? I don't know. Um, I, I think it's possibly too late for some for some players, but I would have suggested that there'll be certain players potentially of the aforementioned Mister Longman. Um, who may feature, if fit, to uh, potentially play for the place? Because uh, there are some people I would have thought that will be getting uh, chilled out over the uh, over the summer. Um, I don't know. We've yeah, he, he has obviously he's brought Harry Vaughan through recently. Not really sign of anybody else joining him on the bench, which you'd have thought because we've had now to play for for the last four games. He'd probably have started doing that earlier if he was going to do it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really not sure. Um, but I, I, personally, I don't think he will. I think he'll probably just stick to the same squad. If any, it'll be just one more. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Score-wise, you've completely stepped on my toes for three quarters of it because uh, I've gone for an optimistic for me 1-1 one, one draw okay um, I've got Adebayo for Luton and uh, newly named player of the season or players player of the season and supporters player of the season because they had about 55 different awards I, I feel like the whole just sidetracking I feel like the whole award ceremony was a bit like Here's a medal for just putting a shirt on this year because every fucker seemed to get something. Um, but yeah, so supporters player of the year and players player of the year, Regan Slater. And I would like to beat Luton. I, th- draws, I still feel draws optimistic, but Luton is just one of them teams historically for Hull that can just get in the fucking bin. <laughs> they, um, they have a long-standing... Um dislike of each other with York City which stems from their days in the National League together um, um, York beat Luton in the semi-final of the playoffs one year and um, the Luton fans reacted in a very nice way by storming the pitch and trying to get at the York City supporters that were in the stand which was nice of them um, so when York eventually went back up to the Football League and beat Luton in the playoff final. I think there was quite a lot of happy uh, happy York supporters that day. 
Um, one, of, one of my favourite times in football, aside the first bit aside, so when when Hull got um, promoted from the what was it? I don't know if I can't remember. If it was part of the back-to-back promotions. Hull, Hull finished second, Luton finished first, and there was all this before the game. But again, the uh, the Luton fans not exactly being quiet about uh, what had happened the season before. So you know, living in the past. Um, no, no mention to what had actually happened league-wise that season. Uh, came to the uh, KC at the time, absolutely full of themselves, and uh, yeah, they were three 0 down at half time. So, <laughs> and now I'm living in the past, I guess. So whatever. So, Luton versus Hull, done and dusted. Our second game of the week takes us to the Riverside, where Middlesbrough take on Coventry City. Now, as the league table stands at the moment, that is fourth place fifth. So, if this ta- if the table stays as it is, this will be the first of three consecutive games that these teams will play against each other. Obviously, it's my team, so I will go last. Uh, Andy, what have you got for this one? It's a classic Borough scoreline for me. It's 2-0 to Borough. I'm, roll, I'm rolling out the uh, the goal-scoring duo of Archer and Tuba. Uh, I'm going to keep banging that drum until I finally get the perfect combination, and then I will retire both the score and the players. Lovely stuff. Mr Moore, what have you got for this one? I've gone for a 2-1 Borough win. Goal scorers, please. Uh, Akpom and Archer. And Yukaresh. I just thought they've got a bit of control over who they might face and they might not want to face Coventry again. Correct. I would uh, not disagree with that at all. Stu. I'm really sorry to have to tell you this, Paul, but They've not exactly proved themselves that uh, that much over the last two games. You said it yourself, injuries have crept in. I have a really... And, and again, I, I'm not saying this to be a twat to you. I have a really bad feeling about the next few weeks. And I have Middlesbrough down to lose 1-0 to a Jokeresh goal as well. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. You always see that team that's sort of been like up there for the majority of the season and stuff like that and they just completely run out of steam and then they always end up shitting the bed in the playoffs and I do worry that that could potentially be the bull of this season um, <coughs> this is a tricky one because in the same way as the Luton game I don't think he'll go full strength because he'll want to keep something back in case they do have to play him another two times mm-hmm. But obviously then that comes with the problem that if you don't play the full strength side and then you get an absolute tonking, it gives them the impetus and the sort of the the sort of the guile to go into the game next into the first leg at least of the semi final, riding the crest of a wave, they'll be well up for it. They know that a win locks up fifth place. No one else can catch them at that point. They'll be guaranteed to finish fifth and they know exactly what they'll have to do for the next two games. Um, 
So I think he will make changes, but I think he'll still go relatively strong. So I've gone for a 2-2 draw, which potentially opens the door for someone like a Millwall, a Sunderland. Um, I'll just have a quick look at the table. So as it stands... Oh, West Brom. Dependent, but then goal difference will come into it. Potentially. Yeah, so as it stands, Coventry are fifth on 69 points. Um, Millwall sixth in the last playoff spot on 68 points. We might get to them in a minute. Sunderland, Sunderland on seventh in 66. West Brom on eighth, 66. Blackburn on ninth, 66. So it's between those five. So it's, it's two from five, basically. Coventry knows exactly what they need to do. What, what we're all win. hoping for, really, is is that Middlesbrough beat Coventry. Those three teams all win. Four teams on 69. You know. <laughs> what it's all about. The, what, the, there's no way it's going to be Blackburn because their goal difference is minus three. So I would... I, yeah. They're, like, they, they're not going to get fifth. They, but they could but, sneak into sixth. But Blackburn's, Blackburn's task is made slightly easier... I say slightly, and I only I really do mean only slightly, in the fact that they are playing Millwall in the last game of the season, which again we might come to in a couple of minutes. So they only need, but basically Blackburn know exactly what they need to do. They need to win, and that eliminates Millwall from the, from the sort of the the argument there. And then it's just a case of they need to hope that neither Sunderland nor West Brom get a well win their game. And then they'll automatically jump ahead of them. So there's all sorts of connota- there's all sorts of permutations that can come around and stuff like that. Coventry no win and they're in and they'll play Borough for another two games in a row. So that's that's basically gonna be their sort of like thought process. Um but yeah, I've gone two two. Obviously Akpon's still on this run where he's scored in nine consecutive home games and I think they'll subconsciously within the club well, maybe not even subconsciously, they'll want to keep that run going. So I think he'll start, and I have got him to score. So I've gone 2 2. I've gone, I think they'll start Mooney's over Archer as the central striker, so they can keep something in, in reserve for if they do end up playing him again. And then they won't be able, they won't sort of have seen how to play against him first hand. So I've gone for Mooney's and Akpom to score for the Borough, Yukaresh and Godden. To score for Coventry. So that brings us to our third game of the week, and as discussed, third of four games. Yeah, it involves oh. Mr. Cook's team. Oh, no, that is right. That is right. Um, so obviously, last week Mr. Cook picked Millwall as his team of the week. So the way we're going to do things next season is that Andy will choose a team at the start of the season. And then, under uh, Mr. Woodman's suggestion, we're going to play a winner-stays-on format. So, Mr. Cook will pick his team at the start of next season. As long as that team keeps winning, we will keep picking their games. But as soon as they lose a game, the team that beats his team will become his new adopted team. And we then pick their game for the following week. So, this was a little uh, sort of like a little test run. So, because Millwall won last week... Millwall get the pick again this week. So Millwall's game this week, as previously stated, is against Blackburn. And this is almost a win-and-in scenario for both teams, but it's um, it, it's pretty much a win-and-in for Millwall, definitely. So if Millwall win, 
they can't be caught by either Sunderland, West Brom or Blackburn. So Millwall's task is very simple. Win, and they're in the playoffs in at least sixth position. Depending on how the result goes against Middlesbrough and Coventry, they can get as high as fifth. So watch this space for how that ends up. As it's oh, technically we could get a podcast derby two times in a row. Could indeed. Could indeed. So, Mr Cook's team, he will therefore go last. Uh, Stu, what have you got for Millwall versus Blackburn? Well, I made the mistake of picking no goals last week. And as you rightly stated, Millwall need to win. So I think they'll have a full strength squad and... Who better to pick for a Millwall home game than Bradshaw? You go one nil. Yep, just the one nil. I think it'll be a nervy affair, but I think they'll. I think they'll win. I have. I have this feeling about that game that it potentially could be one nil within the first like five or ten minutes, and then it'll be shit your pants for the rest of the time. So let's <laughs> see what happens. Uh, you'll all be shocked to hear. This is the game that Sky have picked for their coverage. Shock horror. Um, you mean that they're not covering Luton Hall? Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I don't think yeah. um, uh, Whilst I agree in that it'll be KG, I think for this one, for Millwall, a draw isn't guaranteed to be enough, but in the grand scheme of things, might be enough. And I think with the fact that Blackburn are going to be pushing them all the way for the win that they absolutely have to get, I think that's where they're going to sort of cancel each other out. So I've gone for a 1-1 draw on this one. I've gone for Fleming to score for Millwall and Dolan to score for Blackburn. Matt, what have you got for this one? I've gone for a 2-1 Blackburn win. Ooh! Interesting. Goal scorers? Got Bradshaw for Millwall. Yeah. Gallagher. Yeah. And Brereton Diaz. Yes, there it is. <laughs> I'm just willing this into existence because I just want another two. Another, <laughs> another podcast of you being able to say it. Just for you, Mr. Moore, I have written him in the book as Brereton hyphen Diaz. That's his name. Even though it pains me so to actually write it down. Go on, Mr. Cook. Tell us how your boys are going to get on this week. Obviously, it's a 2 0 win. Obviously. Obviously. Goal scorers? There's absolutely no way I'm not picking Watmore for a goal. Obviously. Obviously. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't want to just cut, copy, paste my last week's prediction. So I was like, best get me a different goal scorer. And I landed on Bennett. Bennett as in Gordon <laughs> of course of course so three games down one game to go and I was going to say you could argue it's the, it's the most important game of the week but I, I, I think that, that kind of has to go to um, Millwall versus Blackburn really but from a Premier League perspective this is 100% the most important game of the week, as it seems. Nottingham Forest take on, for all, for all intents and purposes, already relegated Southampton. Southampton currently six points adrift at the bottom of the table, 
four games left to play. It's going to take something spectacular for them to get out of it at this particular point. Um, and I think if Forest were to win this one, it would kind of all but relegate Southampton. So, well, let's 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 wait and see. So it's obviously Mr. Moore's team. He will go last with the prediction. I'll jump in first. I think that Forest, given how well their home form has been, will be able to get the result they need here. And I've gone for a one-nil win with Johnson to get the goal. Mr. Cook, what have you got here? Just put some dittos down for that one, please. <laughs> and Harkin as well for Stu as well. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah, <have> we all... <laughs> oh, 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 there it is. <laughs> one nil Johnson. One nil Johnson. In that case, we'll just dive straight over to um, potentially positive corner for the uh, for the man himself <laughs> and his team. Yeah, I mean the mistake that all of you have made is that Forrest love to concede goals. <laughs> but the fact that none of you have put down Forrest to concede a goal is insanity because there's going to be at least one. Um. I've gone for a 2-1 Forest win. Okay. Because it's, it's that kind of... Yeah. Who's more desperate? They're both as desperate as each other. Well, probably, I would say... Well, obviously Southampton are more desperate because they need to keep Forest in in there. Jesus. So, you know, it, uh, if... So, obviously, the other week when we played Everton... I kind of made a comment of, yes, they're going to come and park the bus and hope that we they don't lose that Forest and see if they can come up with, um, come away with points, and that's what they did. And that and, and Forest, of course, conceded two goals because, like I said, you guys are nuts for not putting a goal down for Southampton. <laughs> um, but but I think, like you said at home, there is that kind of like a little bit more in, encouragement. Um, Danilo obviously went off injured, but apparently has been seen on the training pitch today. So is the injury doesn't seem a bit a bit of Cooper Cooper mind games is going. What you got to remember is Yatesy played as well at the weekend, so he might be back for the run in for these last few games. That might be key. Yeah, so I've gone two one a one year and Morgan Gibbs White. Morgan Gibbs White seems to have hit a scoring. But bit of scoring form as well, and one you just is a threat. I mean, he's got a lot of kind of nice comments on match of the day as well, just about. And I think it's this kind of thing like a lot of Forest fans are like, Oh, he doesn't score much, he doesn't score much. All right, go and have a look at the strikers that we had last season because Kieran Davis didn't score a whole lot of goals. Um, I can't think who the striker was before him. You know, any striker that we had up front, the main guy did not score many goals last season. That's not what he's there for. He's there to link up play, be a nuisance, keep the defenders occupied whilst the quicker, more skillful players do their thing. So, yeah, a one-year mug gives white. And then just because we love to concede free kicks and give stuff away from set pieces, Ward Prowse. Very much a double-barreled derby. There with Gibbs White getting one for one team and Ward Prowse. I think if uh, if anybody's going to actually tune into that game because I think it's on Sky as well. 
have your bingo cards ready because I would imagine that at least four times before kickoff, somebody is going to utter the phrase "every game from now till the end of the season is a cup final." More so than the eponymous relegation six-pointer. That's it. There's two of your four corners marked off already. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, What we haven't mentioned mentioned is, for the first time in a while, all of our teams are playing on the same day. But on a Monday. Bank holiday Monday. I mean, Forrest could have the common decency to start at three o'clock like everybody else, though, could they? This is this is a strange one. So obviously, with the uh, the coronation of the uh, the new king falling on Saturday, um, we've all been given the bank holiday Monday to enjoy. I'm not going to turn it down. Lovely stuff. Fresh from pledging so, your allegiance to it. The football league have decided, therefore, to use this opportunity to move the last round of fixtures for all of the EFL. So, League 1 is being completed on Sunday. League 2 is being completed at 12.30 on Monday. And the Championship is being completed at 3pm on Monday, with Nottingham Forest Southampton being the Monday night football offering, as it I were. How so, much, I wonder if Sky gave them some extra sweet, sweet cash for that. Because, obviously, 3 o'clock on a Saturday is the holy grail. You can't show football on TV at 3 o'clock on a Saturday. So, whilst that is true, apparently, I think it's Man City versus Leeds has been given the okay to be be broadcast live on TV. And I think the argument they've managed to get around it because is because there's no no other sort of like clashes of league fixtures or, well, outside of games in the Premier League. So... The, it's uh, a royal, the less, it's a royal the decree. Saturday 3pm fixture will be on TV. It's a royal decree because if you're um, staunch anti-royalists, you're being punished by having to watch the white shape for a bit in the afternoon instead of watching the news. You were here first, ladies and gentlemen. The white shite, apparently. Not a, uh, not a phrase I'd heard before, but might adopt it into uh, everyday vernacular. I mean, now that I've said it out loud again, you probably need to be a bit more careful with that these days. So obviously it was meant for the colour of the team. Disclaimer, not the views of Cookie Cast, etc, etc. Correct. All, all of the above, definitely correct. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is the last regular season games for Hull, Middlesbrough, and of course Mr Cook's adopted team of Millwall. There is a guaranteed two more games for Middlesbrough. There may be two more games for Millwall, or indeed Blackburn, depending on how that result and other results go in the playoff race. As it's obviously pertinent to those games, I will give out the fixtures for the other teams that can get into the playoffs. Um, I'm so the other teams look. look. Sunderland are away at Preston. They are indeed. Um, West, West Brom, Brom are away at Swansea. City. Two, two very similar fixtures in a way there because that's like two teams gunning for the playoffs and two teams that are absolutely stuffed. So Yeah, well, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because technically, had Preston and, and Swansea got results that they needed at the weekend, that would have made it even more ridiculous. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weekend could literally have had another... And Norwich, for that matter. If Norwich didn't get, uh, didn't get beaten by West Brom, they'd still be in with a shot. So... 
this this weekend could have been absolute carnage from a playoff perspective. Um, There's some absolutely belter games there though as well. Huddersfield, Reading, that's like, like relegation. Yes, but yeah. Huddersfield have technically got a game. I don't know if it's tonight or Thursday. Ah right. So I think it's tomorrow. Yeah, Huddersfield versus Sheffield United is tomorrow. So if Huddersfield get as much as a point, they're safe. All right, you've got Wigan Rotherham as well. That's obviously yeah. Wigan are down, but Rotherham if, could if be... Rotherham, if they, yeah, if Rotherham hadn't beaten the Borough, um, they'd still be in with a chance of being relegated. So, um, yeah, it could have it been like... It could have literally had maybe sort of like two games that had nothing riding on them at some point had some of the pictures not gone against sort of the, the teams in question. Um, so, yeah, they, they have it. We're getting to the uh, the business end of the season, as it was. So, as usual, thank you to these wonderful gentlemen for joining me to take you through the, uh, the murky depths of the footballing world. Join us again next week where we'll find out who Middlesbrough's two playoff semi-finals will be against in the, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, we'll see just where Hull finished in the table and we'll see whether uh, Andy's having to support his Bermondsey boys or if he's had to take a Blackburn approach potentially for the playoffs. For all that and more, join us again next week, ladies and gentlemen. But for now, it's tatty by or So there we go, which thinks that. Like I said before, season is coming to a close. What will we do without football? I can't imagine there won't be much football for very long. Um, but we'll see. Big thank you for listening, big thank you for watching. Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave us a review. Check out the website, thecookiecast.com. The social media links and an email button there. That way you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe.